Hello and welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem alongside Mr. Noam Doman, the owner of the Comedy Cellar, and uh, the one and only, the very funny comedian Dan Natterman from HBO Crashing and um, America Got Talent finalist or semi-finalist. Semi-finalist, I, I, I get. He always like to correct me. But, yeah, um, I don't like to be oversold. That's, and that's one of the one of the reasons I'm not more successful is I have no self-promotion instinct. When does one, one, one and only when does one and only not apply when you're when you're introducing a, half of an identical twin like like when when does one and only <laughs> not a good introduction the one and only right, go ahead go ahead um, and uh, we have uh, uh, our main guest is uh, running a little bit late so uh, he will be joining out to do some uh, then so no first of all your other podcast that you had Dan at live from the table you had this Israeli famous writer guy. And you're discussing Israel and Palestine, and you didn't have one Arab in that show. What kind of bullshit is that? Um, Benny Morris, right? Yes. Well, actually, I, I tried to get uh, Ben to, to, he's not Arab, but I tried to get Ben to do the podcast. Who? Ben, what's his last name? Uh, uh, the writer that we argue with. Oh, Ben Anderson? He's not ben Arab. Ben Anderson, yeah. I tried to get Ben Anderson um, to do the podcast with me, and he, he, he ghosted me. So I was trying to get somebody precisely to to take up the the um, the pro Palestinian line, um, but but um, I think I did a good job of it. Actually, I have to say I was just going to say I think Noam did do a good job. But here's here's my take because he sent it to me and I watched it. First of all, I never seen Noam that polite to any guest ever. You know, and I understand he's an older guy or whatever. And and he did he did a he did a good job taking both sides. But there's stuff that you you can feel only if there's an Arabic person. Like you had Mustafa, you had me, you had uh, Mo. If you wanted a comedian, you had you had a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, and Dan and Priyal didn't really. Hmm, disagree we didn't pull our way. That Noam was just. By the way, speaking of an older guy, you know, I, I, I that, that that's got to be sad when people are nice to you because you're older. Like some guy yelled at me in Central Park the other day because I walked in front of his bike. He was like, "Where the watch? Where the fuck you're going?" And uh, and it, I, it dawned on me that I, I was happy because <laughs> I was young enough that he that he that he was going to yell at me. <laughs> That's right. At a certain age, they don't yell at you anymore. So I'll just say that. But but go ahead, no. So the guy's Benny Morris. He, you know, he's he's first of all, he's famous as a Jewish historian who defended the Palestinians. That this is what he's most famous for. He's he's single-handedly responsible for the total revision of the whole myth of 1948. So um, unlike most historians, he's not he's not um, defined as a pro-Israeli historian. He's actually respected by both sides. You know that. I mean, no, I know. I know who he is. So I didn't feel so I didn't feel the need to have somebody um, really um, keeping him honest because he's he's quite honest as it is. And I didn't want to get bogged down in um, arguments, I wanted to put the tough questions to him, which I think he did of, of the of the most controversial parts of the history and the parts which are most often pointed out with accusatorily against the Israelis. And I wanted to get his response to those things. And I didn't want to, um, I, I didn't want to get bogged down in, the, in a debate because we didn't have that much time with him. So that's my reasoning, but um, you know, I, I would have preferred to have Ben Anderson there because he's a, a journalist. Um, 
so that's it, you know, and, and, and honestly, Hatem, the truth is that what I notice is that it's tough to find anybody on either side of this issue, Arabic or Jewish, who really knows the history. You know what I mean? No. Like they haven't, they haven't read his book. So they're just going to start blah, blah, blahing about, you know, their, their side of the story, whatever they heard somewhere, whatever it is. And, and I wanted to just really get to the fact. But, but, but correct me if I'm wrong. I've been yep. doing this with you for a long time. I think the biggest strength that you have, which stress some guests out sometimes, and I like it, is they know that you know a lot about the issue. So yep. they're really careful about what they say in the podcast. I don't feel you pressured him enough with your knowledge or your opposite information. I, 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 didn't, I don't think he said anything... Um... I tell you one thing that bugged me, you know, uh, when he started, you know, analyzing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict from 1948. Why? Why are we starting from there? I, I started from there. Yeah, but he he referred to it a couple of times. He's, he's like, if we go back to 1948, and then we can start from any time. I was like, that's not true. He cannot start from any time and be right about your point. You know, uh, he's you, a. Good, you'd have to be specific. The reason we the, his book is called 1948. Mm. So this is, and the, the, um, the conflict was brewing through the twenties and thirties and the, whatever the year, the Balfour declaration was and all that stuff and the Peel commission, but the, but the, uh, the, uh, expulsions, alleged expulsions, but definitely were some and the human rights violations and all that stuff. These really happened around 1948, 47 and 48. That's when they really began to happen. No, I, I agree, but this is one of the biggest argument Israel and Palestinians have, that Israel always want to start from 1948. Palestinians want to go way back. You know? well, I asked him, I asked him, I asked him, I said, was there something um, illegal about what the Israelis were doing, purchasing land and all that stuff? Yeah. And he said, I, and no, we know the answer is no. You, you take it up with the, with the British or the Turks who, who led it, but Certainly, people have the right to go and buy property, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And but you know, I, and I wait, but I also asked them: Is part of the reason that they got away with all this is because they viewed the Arabs as kind of like you know uh, villagers and natives, kind of you know, with, with a certain bigotry? And he said yes. You remember that part of the interview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no. what, what more do you want from him than that? You know, he he acknowledged it. No, I wanted uh, if I played his video versus say Rula Jabril video. Yeah, but you can't compare Rula to him. I, I'm I'm comparing you to you. I'm not comparing the yeah, because Rula said stuff. Listen, Rula, if you're listening, you know you know how much I love you. But Rula said stuff which I felt was not accurate, and she and also Rula was making political arguments. She's an advocate for a cause, and I Benny Mars, especially when it comes to uh, the history of Israel, as opposed to now, he's kind of he he does take political points of view now. But in terms of his histor his historical writings. He's not an advocate for a cause. And, and if it's any cause, he was, you know, he was aiding the Palestinians for most of his work. But but you know what I felt in this podcast, and he it reminded me a lot of many, you know, you know, when you when you have a fight or disagreement with many, and he just set, shuts you out and says, There is no question that this happened. Like, yeah. like, like dummies stop talking. He does the same thing. He's like, if we go any way back, there's no way. That's like this. Well, listen, just, why don't why don't you contact him? And let's do another one with him. He, he had a good experience. Okay. I don't, see, I don't see why he wouldn't want to do it again. Write him a nice letter. Periel has his email address. He's a very nice man. But you have to understand, you're, when you're, you're talking to Benny Morris, you're talking to maybe the most knowledgeable person on the face of the earth 
on on knowledgeable in the sense that he's aware of basically every single piece of evidence that there is, including you know a, a testimony from eyewitnesses and all that stuff on this issue. He no, is I, the I, expert. I agree. And, but he's, I and, he's, and he's a truth teller. He's not. No, he's not I know, but I would have asked him. Do you think that Israel? is part of the problem for not having peace by supporting, you know, the liberation organization, the Palestinian liberation organization or not taking Hamas out or stuff like that. You know, yeah, you see, that's a good question, but you understand that's a political question. And that's what I was really focusing on the history. Okay. But yes. I, so, I didn't so, ask him many policy questions yeah. because, you know, because on that, on that, he's not the expert. That's just his opinion. You, you know, he's a right. He's a, he's kind of, he, he went from the left to right. After the intifada, blah blah blah, he thinks that Netanyahu is, is an asshole, but that the left's policies are futile. All that stuff, you know, that's just his opinion on all that stuff. He yeah. and you know, opinions are like you know, assholes. But but on the history of what happened, there are a lot of myths out there, and he's aware. He's the only person I know who really is aware of the myths and the truth. Is not afraid to admit the truth when it's inconvenient. Yeah. You know, you know what, what's funny is like, and then we'll move on, uh, is, um, you know, the fact that Palestinians sold their lands and stuff like that, you know, um, and Israeli bought it and all that, that's not documented in, in the Arabic world. Like, they don't say that, you know, right. my parents told me that, you know, yeah. but, um, and it's funny with all the, um, with all the uh, uh, United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and, and all the people like doing like all the peace with Israel, which is great. When Egypt did it, I was, I was very little, you know, I think I was just maybe five years old, whatever. I remember that um, nobody in school was talking to me or to any Egyptian or, and my parents are having a hard time. We were in Kuwait at the time and nobody would talk to us and nobody were like, we are traders. And like, look at the Arabic world, like God bless Sadat. He was like 30 years ahead of his time, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so back to your question before all this, do you think, COVID uh, helped Trump. Can I just say one more thing about the Benny Morris thing? <laughs> sure. So, to, so I would invite everybody to watch this documentary. It's on Amazon called Creation and Catastrophe or Cat Catastrophe and Creation. It's about the 1948 thing. And it, and it bills itself as this even-handed type documentary. But it is so filled with disinformation and Benny Morris is used in it. You know, he was interviewed in it. But the, the, the and this is how in disingenuous some of the people who do this stuff are so in this in this documentary they actually don't mention and they clearly leave out the fact that the jews have a historical connection to israel you know they mm -hmm. they, they, they 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 present it as the latest of the 20th century's uh european colonialist projects the but Jews. We're talking about the Arabic Jews that have the right. No, they're pre they're presenting like the, the the Zionists who went back to Israel. Oh, okay. They, they 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 in other words, rather than saying Israel was it was was a land of you know Jews, Jewish kingdoms, Jewish Jewish artifacts, whatever is still there, and they were expelled from this this um, country, and they this was but this is their historic homeland. They leave all that out of the documentary and present it as. The Jews in Europe, being colonialists like other Europeans, decided almost like it was a random thing. And they decided this would be a good place for us to go. And mm -hmm. they said about, and you know, when you're dealing with that kind of, now, now 
that's not to say that you can't make the argument that, listen, that was a few thousand years ago and time is marched on and you don't get to come back. You can yeah. say that, right? Yeah. But to pretend it's not true, to pretend that but, um, but you know what? the entire it's Jewish also- religion references by name the land of Israel. But you know, you know what's really funny? You know where it's really documented very heavily and nobody cares about it? Where? In Quran. Oh, yeah, uh, I believe that, yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. And uh, for the people that are going to watch the documentary, he's Jewish, so he's obviously charging in Amazon. So it's not free. <laughs> I would okay. also add that if you look at uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Esty, uh, uh, Ben Stein, etc., these are European Jews. They look like Arabs. Ben Shapiro, you mean? Well, no, Ben Shapiro looks a little more European. I'm thinking Ben, ben Stein Trump. is the actor, isn't he? The actor? Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm thinking. I'm trying to pick the most Semitic-looking Jews I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I, I Harry Anton, <clears throat> Harry Anton. I thought Harry Anton was Indian when I saw. So these people, well, they're not lying. We're not lying when we say we come from this area of the world, right? Even if it was two thousand years ago. <clears throat> yeah, you, you, I mean, both sides have an argument, and obviously, I'm taking the side of the Palestinian. But that, we'll leave that for another uh, thing. So, so no, um, yeah. and then COVID. Did it help Trump having COVID? Daniel. Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, no, we were just talking this before the show because first of all, it gives him that the, the, that street cred of invincibility, you know, that he, he came and he kicked COVID's ass and you can too, you know? And so I, I think uh, he becomes like a conquering hero. Also, I would add that if, if, if his recovery focuses attention on remdesivir and Regeneron, whatever the... Regeneron. If those turn out to be very effective and it was Trump talking about it that that kind of puts the focus on it that that could arguably be you know a positive thing what happened to hydroxychloroquine well we're not talking about that anymore (laughs) but but it might well be that his I don't I mean we we don't know why Trump recovered either he recovered because he recovered and most people actually do recover or the Regeneron and Desivit, whatever, you know. Well, well, from my experience with the Rams video, that they said, if you get it in day one, you know, all the studies that if you get it in day one, it really helps you, you know, there's a 95% chance that you'll recover. And which- There's a 95% chance anyway that you'll recover. No, but I mean, especially for his age, I'm saying. Even then, I think it's 95%. it It improves your chances significantly. Yeah, but it's in day one. But because the study that I participated in was like people that took it in the first day, people took it five days, people took it later. And only the people that did it in the first day was... uh, (laughs) What a schmuck for the way they, you know, he got it, right? Like, didn't somebody tell him not to do this? It's really really disappointing that they they had a super spreader event. I'm not, actually, I'm not convinced that this outdoor party was a super spreader event, this outdoor ceremony for Amy Coney Barrett. But um, whatever it is, the the system within the White House was a super spreader system. Once one, once one person, once it failed with one person, the virus then was able to spread quickly and freely among a close knit group of people who were meeting you know, regularly. I, nobody knows that they all caught it outside. Of course, they, they all were at this event, but they also all meet up and socialize and have meetings with each other throughout the day and throughout the week in, in a million other uh, rooms. So who knows? But just like, wh- why, why were they not more careful? It's very disappointing. 
And I, I like to point the fact that a lot of people make it fun that Trump and Melania, they don't talk to each other. They don't sleep in the same bed. Well, obviously they do now, huh? Because she well, talk to each other. I mean, I, well, we don't know how Melania got it. I mean, she, she was in the same area. I think she's fucking Kelly McEnany. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, that's funny. Um, what, what about the, you know, the funny thing, the fly thing that everybody, I think that everybody saw the fly thing, think that he was a genius and he's the only one that saw it and post about it. But have you guys seen the comments from the other side of the country about the fly? The no, reaction to it? You mean from the, from the uh, right wing about mm-hmm. the fly? That's, I, I, I thought the other side of the country is liberals, but go ahead. What's, what's the reaction? <laughs> I guess it depends who you <laughs> What's the yeah, reaction? they say they make fun of it. It's like, yeah, let's leave all the important issues and just focus on the fly, you know. So, which, yeah, the validity to that. But yeah. you know, the fly, I just find it disturbing. My whole feed is covered with images of flies, and I don't like flies, and most people don't like flies. So I know, flies I know. the hell out of my uh, Facebook feed and Instagram. Oh, it's horrible. I got to see flies everywhere. Now, you know what? Did anybody comment this? Do you remember that? What well, what with with uh, Bernie Sanders? Remember a bird came and perched itself right next to him? Do you remember that? Oh, I don't remember. But I'm going to find it. And then, I mean, what a, like maybe maybe there is a God and maybe he is trying to tell us something. Bernie gets a bird and 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 Pence gets a fly. You can't make this shit up. I mean, I mean, um, um, soccer, Cristiano Ronaldo in the final, he got a butterfly on him when he was injured and they won. Did, did you see the um, SNL sketch? Yeah. Last night with the flies. It could have been better. It wasn't bad. Look, they have to come up with this stuff pretty quickly because the event happens and three days later they're on the air. They have to rehearse it. They have to write it. They have to do I'm all sure that. we could have come out with something uh, funnier, the three of us right here in the podcast. But, you know. Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, but, but you know, I thought that was pretty good. I always like Keenan. Keenan's just funny, whatever he's saying. And he's, him- he's amazing. He's, uh, he's really under... under um, well, I don't know if he's underrated. I mean, certainly every SNL fan loves him. Now, maybe in the greater world, he's underrated. If you're not an SNL fan, you don't know, necessarily know. Him. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I see him a lot, like, outside, even in Russia. Like, he's a friend of a friend of mine. And and people, a lot of times, don't recognize him or know who he is. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, huh? look, at, look I, I'll show you this, guy so, so that you can, you'll remember it as soon as you see it. I, I'm, I'm, now I'm sorry I didn't weigh in on the whole Pence thing because... It is, it is a great um, juxtaposition. Somebody must have picked up on it. Right? The bird didn't shit on Bernie, did he? No, this is the, hold on. You can bird. see that, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. So I wish it was better quality, but anyway. So that's the bird is sitting, bird's yeah. there on the ground. And then he comments, and the bird flies right up and lands on the podium. Yeah. And the crowd <laughs> goes crazy. It's on the podium. It would be better if it was on his shoulder. Oh yeah, but still, like you know, this is nature. Nature coming to lend its support for Bernie Sanders, and and a and a fly that probably just, you know, its last time it touched down was on a pile of dog shit lands on Mike Pence's head. That's that's fun. But what do you guys think of the debate itself? Like, who do you think won? Dan. Well, one is a tricky one. I don't know. I don't know what people mean when they say who won. But I mean, if you think that life begins upon conception. Pence won because he very clearly said, I'm pro-life. And if that's, if, if you think babies are being murdered by the millions, uh, that's my, that would be your winner to, you know, but. Um, I, I think to win a one is like you go in 
the debate with a certain idea and you come out with a different idea, a better idea about that person. Yeah, well, that, that seldom happens. I came out with a better idea about Pence. He just seemed like a reasonable guy. You know, Kamala, and I don't know how much of this is just because she's a woman. When she started saying, I'm talking, yeah. like I got very turned off. Now, had a man said the same thing, would I be equally have turned off? Would, would a man have said that? And what would, be, what would have been a better thing to say than uh, I'm talking? Yeah, and you could tell that she rehearsed it too. It, it sounded very nasty, but maybe maybe it's just innate hostility toward women asserting themselves. And I have to examine that about myself. You know, I don't know. What do you think of that? I think, think that, nasty? I think that um, I, I love when this happens. So Kamala Harris was considered so unlikable she had to drop out of the, the 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 race immediately. This was after she had kind of gotten a, a bump in the polls when she called Biden a racist and all that stuff. Her own her own state of California, she couldn't register it, and the polls show she was unlikable. Now everybody's pretending that she's wonderful, even though the same voters rejected her because they didn't like her, right? So now that she's, I'm talking, I'm talking. And yeah, you know, you can't prove this, but it just it just does feel like she's trying to uh, goad him into a sexist incident, right? Mm. There was no way he was going to come out of that without being called a sexist. There's no way to argue with in, in this day and age. There's no way to argue with a Jew and not be called an anti-Semite, a woman not be called a sexist, a, a black and not be called a racist. But the fact is that. I don't like that they they uh, they do that. I mean, why he 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 wasn't like I th I think she had more minutes talking than he did. You know, people time that stuff. I thought I saw that he wasn't. Did you see anything sexist? Like he, he his interruptions were relatively. It's the kind of interruption where it's if we did it on this show and we do it all the time, yeah. it, it, it would just it wouldn't provoke a reaction. Well, let's look at look let's look at what Trump did to Biden. I mean, Trump Trump was interrupting Biden horribly. Yeah. But if Biden had been a if Biden had been a woman, Trump would have been called a sexist. And somebody like me would say he's not a sexist. That's the way he is with everybody. I mean, how many how many times you heard me say that he's not? That's the way he always is, right? But yeah. still, you know, uh, next time in the news Trump interrupts a woman, they will call him a sexist. And you can say all day long, "Did you see how he interrupted Biden?" And it will mean nothing to anybody. But, but what did you think of Kamala saying, I'm talking? Or yeah, was I, I, thought, I, I thought it was contrived and she's trying to, uh, I mean, you know, she has a right to say, hey, don't interrupt me. But there was something like, that's why I said you can't prove it. There was something I picked up on. I think you picked up on it too, which seemed just a little, a little contrived, you know. It also like, seemed on. a little, given the degree of interruption, it didn't. It seemed a little excessive to me. Yeah, I, I feel, I feel that she was preparing it and she tried it and she didn't have the chance to do it. She's so like, you know what, fuck it. I worked so hard on this. I gotta <laughs> use it anyway. So. But I gotta tell you, I turned, I turned, I watched maybe ten minutes of the debate and I turned it off. It, it both of them were making me so dejected as an American. Like I just. I, I told Juanita, I said, I just don't want to watch this anymore. Do you mind if I turn it off? So I didn't watch it. They're just all dishonest. And can't they answer a fucking question? Can either yeah. side answer a question? Why what the, do you what do they take us for? Yeah. They never all of them. Biden too. You know, the, the only one who actually answers the question is Trump. And he lies. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like if you notice Trump, he actually does answer Question to his to his discredit. Sometimes he'll 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 try to answer a tough question. 
But the rest of them, I mean, they they just will not answer a question. Or Biden will have the nerve to say, you know, are you going to pack the court? Well, I, I'm not going to tell you that. But aren't you running for president? Like, are you supposed to tell me? Is it, it's an important issue. You want to you want to change. You want to bring the Supreme Court under the heel of the the executive branch. So you're going to put justices on the court so that they're on your side. Now you have you've, you're taking another branch of government as part of your own. That's what that that may be what you're planning to do. You have to tell us whether you want to do that, right? Is, is there any? argument for his side like no no he shouldn't have to answer that question it's crazy i think somebody running for office should answer any question you know but especially that like maybe he doesn't have to answer who he's sleeping with but especially such a fundamental question right yeah. now i mean when, when they ask them i don't know if you saw that when they ask the vp is like is there a bland p b when you talk to p uh, to the president or the vice president about their did health you just did you just say bland p b b b <laughs> i think that Plan B. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I have problems when there's like two words in a, and one is P, one is B. Back yeah, I know. <laughs> Plan B. Yeah, go ahead. A lot uh, of people, you know, even us native speakers uh, will we'll do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan, for standing up for me. So, yeah, they, they like, uh, they ask him, is there a plan B for, <laughs> for if the president got sick or whatever? Did you talk? Did you discuss it? And that's a great question. And nobody answered it. They no, both didn't they, answer. They, they really take us for fools. And we we just keep, I mean, if something is broken. We're not getting the best people. And they and they they the journalists are also to blame because you know Harris and Biden, they know they can get away with this. And it's it, they shouldn't. It, it shouldn't be so hard for a journalist to call them out. Like there's no, there's no way a Republican talking about packing the court would get such a kind consideration from the mainstream press. They would demand, there'd be a headline, so-and-so refuses to answer, you know. It's just, it's just crazy what's going on. On the other hand, Pence didn't answer questions and I just- Well, Pence didn't answer the, the right out of the gate when she said, um, how do you explain all these deaths, you know, the 200,000 deaths? Um, and he didn't really answer that. He just said, uh, I forgot what he said, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. Yeah. There's a few questions that they both don't, um, don't answer, didn't answer, you know? And if and you then, watch the SNL, it's wait, exactly, wait. it's funny because they do that. That was funny part in NSL. And then talk about the press. So Kamala Harris, as we talked about, you know, the New York times and, and every, most the times the Atlantic, uh, Vox, they had strong articles when she was running for the nomination about how um, the human rights violations is not an unfair word. The human rights violations that went on within the prosecutor's office when she was in charge of it, fighting to keep innocent people in prison, fighting to present a man, prevent a man on death row from exonerating himself. And a Tulsi Gabbard got mileage out of this at the debate. They now she's up there talking about the criminal justice system being, you know, racist and corrupt, and nobody asks her, Wait a second, you were in charge of the criminal justice system in the biggest state in the country, and you were accused of enormous violations of people's rights. What about that, uh, Senator Harris? No, 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 that no, that nobody's gonna ask that question, yeah, God forbid, because they want to grease the skids for her election. And it's really, 
you know, Americans of every side should be able to see that this is not the way it's supposed to work. It's just not. Maybe they need to get one moderator overtly from the left and one moderator overtly from the right and, and just give up the pretense that a moderator can be objective and um, more like the old Hannity and Combs or whatever it is. And, and, and maybe that's the best way to do it because this is crazy what's going on. Even Chris Wallace. Yeah, it was it was horrible. It's not. I mean, I don't I don't blame Chris Wallace for Trump being terrible in the debate, because that's on him. He he had plenty of opportunities to hit home runs there, and he didn't. But Chris Wallace did imply that the, the violence in Seattle and in Portland and, and Kenosha was white, came from the right and was white supremacy. This poor kid Rittenhouse. Uh, well, I don't want to say poor kid because he might you know might go to jail, but. They're accusing him of being a, a white supremacist. I scoured the internet. There is not one bit of evidence that this kid is a white supremacist. Even the ADL website, the Jewish, you know, Anti-Defamation League, says we could find no evidence that this that this boy was involved with white supremacists or militias or anything like that. But they will repeat it like it's true. Even Chris Wallace, it's crazy. Yeah. Kamala but- also said uh, at the debate that Trump called uh, troops losers and suckers well that's yeah he that that uh that might be true it might be true but it also might not be true and people are saying it like it's fact and it's yeah well that's but see that's up to pence to defend it you know but at least i mean that's that's reported in the atlantic so i i mean of course she's going to use it um but that's that's different than in my opinion saying something which actually you can show no evidence of you know you can show no evidence of this kid being a white supremacist. And certainly we know that the violence in Portland and Seattle has been overwhelmingly, you know, from left-wing types. Was it a falsehood when, when Pence said that uh, Kamala and um, uh, Biden are against fracking and want to phase out fossil fuels in the near term? I think that uh, all, I, I, I don't know. I think that the Democrats... Like it's one of those things in a debate, raise your hand if you're against, they basically all raise their hand. And I know AOC is against it in Biden's heart. He's a moderate. And since, you know, reasonable people understand that actually fracking reduces greenhouse emissions. You know that, right? Because when, when you need a certain amount of energy. So if you don't get it from fracking, you end up getting it from worse sources, coal or whatever it is. And fracking produces, if I'm not wrong a lot of uh, uh natural gas right that's natural gas and natural I, gas is one of the cleaner burning fossil fuels mm-hmm. i think so you know what i've heard is that fracking is actually on a whole way way better for the environment i you know you know what they're such phonies they don't even have an opinion on fracking they're gonna go whichever way the wind blows if they really cared about the environment they would be building nuclear power plants obviously right well, well i know you've said that for years now somebody just said that in the news the other day i'll find it Go ahead. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I don't know. It's just um, with 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 few days uh, left, da- Danny's still taking um, Biden. You mean am I voting for Biden, or do I think he's going to win? No, do you think he's going to win? I know who you're voting for. Well, I'm not voting for Trump. I'm voting for Biden. I, I, I know. Yeah. Um, do I think? Uh, well, the polls say he's going to win. Yet my gut says, my gut keeps keeps saying Trump because. But what do I know? You know, I mean, because I see so many reasonable people like Noam that Noam says he's not voting, but Noam, who's a reasonable guy, you uh, know, is, is, is not all in for Biden. He's 
he would probably vote for Biden if he had to vote, but it, it's not a clear it's not a clear cut. So if Noam is thinking that, if Noam is thinking that, imagine how many other people are thinking that. Uh, it's you know Biden is up fourteen points as I mentioned before the show right now, which is exactly what Hillary was, same time okay. last election, you know. So we'll see. I, I I want Biden, but I'm you know I'm worried about Trump. You know. I don't want either of them. Uh, just anyways, interesting. There was an article in, in this website. I don't know the website. It's called The Bellows and you need a nuclear New Deal, not a green New Deal. But it makes the point, I know this, you know, I don't know the writers, so whatever it is, but any climate plan that doesn't prioritize nuclear is destined to exacerbate climate problems. But it's essentially making the logical argument, I've never heard uh, uh, counter, which is that we have the technology now to produce tremendous amount of energy without damaging the environment. We have good, you know, electric, electric uh, car technology now, the, the nuclear plants produces the electricity, which is then put into batteries and cars and whatever it is. And yes, nuclear power has its danger side, side to it, but nothing compared to the end of civilization, like, like uh, climate change. So it seems obvious you build as much nuclear power as you can now, and you use it until such time as you can switch to renewables, which might be 10 years, it might be 50 years. But in the meantime, you don't just keep burning fossil fuels I, I don't even get it like i wouldn't even know what the argument is like why are they not building nuclear power plants because they don't I, the, the people don't like nuclear yeah but but yeah because it makes no sense yeah we've had some accidents but and and you know what if we had an explosion and, and it killed as many people as hiroshima let's say so tragedy or, or you know like chernobyl um even that would be nothing compared to what they're predicting the consequences of climate change to be so it's still a no-brainer but the truth is i don't think we have an accident like that the technology is pretty advanced no, there's never been a nuclear accident like hiroshima yeah i'm saying like that's the worst case the worst is fukushima fukushima fukushima, fukushima and and um is that chernobyl. and chernobyl. chernobyl and i don't know how many people died at chernobyl it's hard to say because a lot of people died like 30 years later a lot of people died in Chernobyl, I think, but I don't like. There's, but there's, the technology there's, then is different than the technology now. So even if that happens, also Russia. I mean, the Russians, you know, they yeah. they don't know what they're doing. The French have nuclear power, and I don't think they've had an incident, and they have a lot of nuclear power. I mean, all all yeah, the, it's hard to get the right information about Russia. All my information about Russia I get from James Bond movies. That's all. I don't know anything else from uh, from the rest of the uh, of the field, but um. Greenpeace says, by the way, that between 93,000 and 200,000 people died uh, from, her, from uh, Chernobyl. Yeah, a lot of people died in Chernobyl. You sh you, everybody should watch that HBO series. One of the best things I've ever seen in my life at Chernobyl. It's like six parts. Uh, I don't know how many people died in, in, from Fukushima, but it, ha it had to be way, way less than that. I'm but that's, to that's Greenpeace's estimate. Other estimates are, are, are lower. Yeah, the Soviet, the Soviet estimate was much lower. No, no, the Union of Concerned Scientists, who I don't know who the hell they are, says between four and 27,000 people died. Well, I would believe that then. But again, people died 20 years later of, of cancer. So, you know, it's like, the, it's like the World Trade Center. People died two decades later. You don't necessarily know was it the Trade Center or not. Yeah. You know. So it's yeah. hard to say exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure if anybody's still dying from Hiroshima. There's maybe a 90-year-old a, a guy somewhere that's, you know, that uh, got cancer that, you know, might not have otherwise. I don't know. But um, so What about the, um, 
the the plot to kidnap the Michigan governor. What do you guys know about that? Uh, not much, except I'm hearing that it was a guy that hated Trump that that was spearheaded. That hated yeah. Trump. Yeah, I heard that too. Some some guy who lash out at Trump. That's that's that seems to be the 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 mo. A lot of these guys who write these manifestos or whatever it is, they're, they're ultra right. You'd think they would support Trump, but actually Trump doesn't go far enough for them. So that's a weird kind of thing, you know. Uh, I but I don't know. It's one. It's another one of these stories. I just I don't know. I just I don't even follow it. I haven't even read about it. To me, it's like I know I know it's going to be some crazy lunatic. We're trying to you know kidnap the governor. That's outrageous. And I also know that people are going to weaponize this story to make it, you know, to try to make it some sort of um, mainstream Trump supporter type sentiment, blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, we've been through this in so many stories already. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, mean, I hope they put the people in jail for sure. A lot, a lot of people. Oh, I, think that's, I, I think that's obvious. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I, don't gonna, I don't think they're going to get, get away with it. Yeah, a lot of people, including us, don't know the details. If the guy's name was only Muhammad, uh, we would know all the details and everything. But I mean, it's but I'm going to get an argument uh, from right. me on that. On that, in that respect, is that if it was a, a Muslim, there, you know, I'm sure there'd be. A, but there's a lot of there's a lot of outcry about this. There's a lot of new, you know. If it was a Muslim, I would definitely be into this story. Yeah, a lot of no, people. Even, here's, even, the, here's the key question. Is it does it represent an organization? Or I, I don't I'm asking this naively because I literally haven't read about it. Does it represent an organization or is this a bunch of you know a, a small group of crazy people? What is it? Probably I, a small group of crazy people. I would, you know, that's, I would imagine. I you know. But they were like plotting to like kidnap like few governors. But like, you know who else was a small group of crazy people? Uh, John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 um, so you know, nine eleven was a small, relatively. I get. I mean, it was backed by a much larger group, but it was carried out by a small group. Yeah, nine eleven represented a big group. It represented a big group. Yeah, yeah. It was carried out by a small group. Yeah, no, but nine eleven was a was a you know was serious. Um, I don't know anything about this kidnapping. I, I certainly don't blame Trump for it. Although he did tweet out free Michigan, you know, and I complained about that when he did it, but I can't believe, you know, there's a correlation and causation. Did, did Trump, did this, these people decide to kidnap the governor because Trump tweeted free Michigan? Maybe, I, I, I don't know. Trump did some, tweeted something that disturbed me this week. He tweeted a video it, and, the, and the caption, Trump's caption was, uh, you know, when, when, when thugs meet the second amendment or something like that. And it was a video of a guy they were throwing shit at his car, but he, you know, he wasn't in any mortal danger or grave physical danger. And he gets out of the car and points the gun at the people that were throwing shit at his car and they all ran away. And I don't, and that's not proper use of a gun. You can't point your gun at people unless they're threatening you with grave bodily harm. Now, of course it was satisfying in a way to see these people scatter, I guess, but he, you gotta really be careful, I think, you know, the, if we're going to have guns in this country, and I'm not, and neither, no, I'm neither you nor I are convinced that we should, you've got to be super duper responsible and adhere to the, you know, to the, to the, right? I mean. Yeah, I, I would agree. There should be a stigma against a gun owner who flaunts the responsible use of guns. He, sh he should be, he should be embarrassed within his own community for doing such a thing and rather than embraced right like dude we're, we're out here we're out here fighting for gun rights telling everybody that we can be trusted with guns 
and you're out there pointing a gun at somebody for throwing a Big Mac at you or whatever it is. This is not, <laughs> you're not helping things, right? But right. yeah, Trump, Trump has done some other, like a couple of years ago, it was one of the things that really offended me. He, he retweeted this thing, which was supposed to be some Muslims beating somebody up. Remember that hot time in a foreign yeah. country? And it wasn't true. It, it was it was a bullshit video. Yeah, that that was really he. I mean, the guy has dirty hands. The guy Trump's no angel. That's for you, sure. you know. It's funny if you if you watch an interview with him recently, like a couple of months ago, and he says, you know, I don't get in trouble for my tweet as much as I do for my retweet because I just retweet quickly. I don't even yeah. check anything. You know, it's like. Yeah. But that's not excuse. Know. You're president. Yeah. So he knows. But what about what about? Uh, Stand, stand back and, and uh, stand by. That's oh, yeah. I, 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 okay. So that well, you, Daniel, you have something to say about that? I think he misspoke, but he also didn't correct himself. He did correct it. Somebody told me on a podcast he didn't correct it, but then he did correct it. Okay, uh, I'll bring up the correction. Yeah, I mean, you know, Biden did something similar, and he's getting a hard time from the right, just just as I think unfairly. They asked him about it was about this Supreme Court thing, and the headline now is Biden says the voters don't deserve to know. So uh, the, the reporter, you know, asked him aggressively, don't the voters deserve to know what your position is on the court? He says, no, they don't deserve to know, blah, blah, blah. So he just, he parroted back the word deserve that the reporter had put in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Just as Trump was kind of parroting back the word, it wasn't, yeah. he, he said stand by, but he had said, Chris Wallace said stand down, but the same kind of thing. It, it planted the germ of the word and it, and it came out. And Trump's answer and Biden's answer were not good answers. But I don't think Biden really meant the people don't deserve to know in, in the way that that sounds. He, he, he just said it that way. That's, he doesn't actually think, he would never actually say, no, voters don't deserve to know. They, they should just shut up and listen. You know, he, he didn't mean that. But, you know, reporters to me, they're in the wrong profession because they jump on these things and they want to report them as if the least likely on a human level, but the most incendiary interpretation of something that somebody said is the correct one. The technical, you know, uh, reporting is, is correct. So, so for instance, the reports on what Biden said, they don't mention most of them that the reporter had put that word in his mouth, which is, part of the understanding of why Biden said that. So like I always said, my, my new mantra, just bet the under. Whenever a story is really outrageous, just bet the under and, and you can't go wrong. Doesn't mean the story is uh, innocent, but it's, they just, they always overdo it, every story. So let me find out that Trump corrected the thing. What else? Where's our guest? So <laughs> yeah, don't you get it, Naomi? He's not coming. <laughs> I, you know. Yeah, even though he did confirm a couple of times, but this is actually fun. Um, but I think we've had a, a, a pretty decent discussion, uh, despite it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, question for you guys: If you were then, if you were Biden or Trump, would you want a second debate before the election? Uh, I, I guess I would, because if you don't have a debate, people see it as you being so if you were Biden, cowardice. If, if, you, you, mean, if you're Biden, would you want another debate or no? I guess, be, well, because I, I wouldn't want to be the one that said, I don't want another debate, mm-hmm. because then it looks like you're, you're, you're being a coward. But if they cancel the debate, I probably wouldn't be upset, you know, for other reasons. So you, you wouldn't work? I don't know that these debates spread all, shed all that much light and are all necessarily that productive. I, I you know, 
Um, I mean, I, I heard, I agree, but I heard one thing that it makes a lot of sense that they say that the debate is the only time that a candidate gets to talk to the other mm-hmm. part of the party because usually they don't listen to him, you know, or to his speeches. So this is the only chance that Biden can talk to Trump supporters or Trump can talk right. to Biden supporters, you know. Right. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. So, so in that sense, maybe he could get it, get a few. I mean, he, he's not going to get Trump voters. He might get some undecided people. Mm-hmm. It's know? all about the undecided. And that's what it's all about, right? The undecided people. Well, okay. Two things. So, first of all, I, I, this is from Al Jazeera, which I is you know you can't get you can't. That's the gold standard of reliability. It says a uh, U.S. presidential October second has condemned all white supremacist groups, including the. This is the correction that I talked about. He says, I quote, I condemn all white supremacists. I condemn the Proud Boys. I don't know much about the Proud Boys, but I condemn them. Trump said in an interview with Fox News on Thursday. If I say it a hundred times, it won't be enough because it's fake news he added. Now, so he did correct it, but listen, he's had too many times at the plate on this easy question about condemning white supremacists that uh, people have a right to say there's something glitchy about the, you know, he, there's something wrong with the man that he can't do this without sticking his foot in his mouth. It's true. It was weird that Chris Wallace is still asking him about it. But then, you know, Trump had Trump had, Trump could have had the transcript of when he actually said, I condemn them, you know, uh, unequivocally and then say, Chris Wallace, why are you still asking me about this? Why aren't you asking him about Antifa? Why are you bringing up something that I said three years ago? And this is what I said. Like, you know, Trump could have really knocked that out of the park. Instead, he just, you know, says they stand down. He gives orders to the, and Morse code to the Proud Boys. So, you know, he I mean, got nobody to blame it himself. I mean, you can understand if, if you know, if, if Trump believes himself to not be a white supremacist, why he might be annoyed being asked that question over and over again. Yes, yes. But yeah, yeah. But still, like, I think that the fact that Chris Wallace asked him aggressive, and kind of uh, one-sided questions. This was a big opportunity for Trump. Like the fair, the fair skeptical questions, those are not fastballs over the plate. But some of these questions that Chris Wallace asked were so dumb, really, that they gave Trump a, an opportunity to just look huge. I mean, he, I mean, if I had been up there, I could have really made a lot of points with those questions. But instead, Trump was bested by those questions. Trump never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity, as we often say about our friends in Palestine. Our cousins. Um, (laughs) Because it's numerous times that, Noam, you brought up that he had a chance to absolutely knock the ball out of the park and didn't do it. He's just not that good, I guess. Well, he he is good at times. He wasn't good that night, that's for sure. Maybe Um, he, he did it on purpose, you know, which is smart. Maybe he was sick already. He's never, he's never, he's never, he never uh, seizes the opportunity to hit the ball out of the park when given uh, the chance. I disagree. It, it, he's really funny. He, he did. You no, know, he's funny. But, but in terms of making a point and, and. I mean, I mean, the, the turning point in the last debate with Hillary Clinton, when he said, because he will be in jail, I think that, that wraps it up. You know, that was just so good. Yeah. You know, Hatem is making a good point. That's why I asked about it being sick. There, there is there, if you were going to graph on some sort of, access all the Trump appearances. This one is pretty far and away over there by itself at the end of the curve, because while it had some of Trump's 
trademarks are being rude and, and um, uh, you know, contrary. It, it was over the top. He was, he interrupted with more frequency than I've ever seen him do it. He interrupted with less substance than I've ever seen him do it. And he had no flashes of his humor and his charm, none. And he almost always is a little funny, a little charming, smiles. There's always something like, you know, yeah, I, I gave money to your campaign, you know, that you need me because I, I know where all the, you know, I know how you guys operate. That's why you should, you know, I, I don't, I don't consider that, um, I didn't pay any taxes. I call that smart, you know, and then he kind of smiles when he says it. So there was none of that. It was just a nasty, contrary, brooding guy. Well, and that could certainly be consistent with a guy who's not feeling 100%. Feeling well, right? Yeah. But could and, be and an interesting theory anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing is that, and you heard it here first, America, I never bought into the Biden being senile. And Biden was not senile in that debate. I mean, he wasn't, no. he wasn't like a 25-year-old, but he was not senile. No, and he also, he also doesn't express himself well. They, they're stuttering and this and that. But of course, that's, he's had that, I guess, all his life. But yeah, yeah he, he's, not, he's not robust. He also looks like it had, if it had gone on another half hour, he would have needed, he, he couldn't have, you know, he, didn't, he looked tired. But I agree, he didn't seem senile. Yeah, so maybe that was Trump's strategy was to um, to put him under such stress that he would start to just blather and make mistakes. I don't know. Like Muhammad Ali and uh, George Foreman. Yes, Trump it can go all night. Trump could, Trump really is strong. He is. You know, he's strong as an ox. But, but Biden, I don't think he'd have handled another half hour of that. I wonder why the VPs were sitting down and the two older guys were standing up the whole time. Oh, I didn't even, I mean, yes, that's true. I didn't, uh, didn't strike me one way or the other. I, Maybe I don't know. They've had these various things. Why didn't they cancel the second debate? Because it was going to be virtual, right? Why did it have to be virtual? I thought Trump is cured. Well, I don't know. Well, because Biden said he's right? not going to do it as long as he have COVID. Oh, he has to. Pro so why don't they postpone it until he's? Uh... Well, the third debate is still on. Oh, why they do? Why don't they do the second one after the third one then? Maybe I they will. Then that would be the third one. Right. That's it. Like, why? why <laughs> Why not the why not the cancel? Why can't I mean there's time for, whatever. There's time I, enough for three debates. I think two is enough. Well, I you know I mean in terms of in, if the debate if the goal of the debate is to shed light on the candidates and to you know again I don't know that how many debates you, you really need to. It's going to be more yelling and interrupting anyway, and lying. So what's 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 being learned? Well, Trump Trump desperately needs these debates. Trump's only hope is to. Have Biden. Remember how Rick Chrome used to do Reagan? Oh, yeah. look a bunny. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He needs to have Biden do something. Yeah, that's his only hope to win, right? He needs Biden to just totally like uh, pee his pants. No, it's his only hope to win if you believe the polls. I I think it's real. I believe the polls. And, and Enton says that uh, it's Biden all the way. Well, Enton, you know, is cagey, but uh, Enton believes the polls, and the poll he thinks the polls are accurate. But you know, Enton would say, Harry Enton would say that you know they give a they give a percentage chance, and people ought to respect the fact that a twenty percent probability chance, which maybe they say Trump has a twenty percent chance of winning, that is a significant chance of winning. That is a better chance than rolling any particular number you need on a die when you're playing, you know, a game with with dice. There's one out of six chance on the dice, and you know, one out of five is twenty percent. So. 
um, it's not an insignificant chance of winning. It's just people people think that an eighty percent chance of winning means he's going to win. That's not what it means. So what do you th- what do you think could happen that change this poll? Like if a vaccine come out or something like that. Like what would help Trump now? I guess it helps him a little bit to see Europe having such a. It helps him with me a little bit to see Europe having such a tremendous wave of the virus now because it it seems to imply to me that um, some of this was inevitable. Now that doesn't really excuse him for the things he fell down on the job on. On the other hand, nobody cares about Cuomo. We talk about that over and over. Um, so I think that helps him in some way, but not not enough. I don't think anything can help him. I mean, he's, he's been president for four years. We know we know him already. And if you want, if you want this another four years, I think what, what helps him right now, what Nancy Pelosi is doing, you know, like she's trying to say that he's unfinished. You want to take him off. Like this is going to just have, you know, there's some kind of supporters that he have that not, not like blindly supporting him, but they're going to support him more now because of like, they see that Democrats are just trying anything to, and being unfair, you know, 20 days before the election. So what about you then? What do you think could happen? What do I think could say could could put Trump uh, back in the White House? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a vaccine. That's but even if they come up with a vaccine, we won't know that it works right away. You know, say a vaccine comes out tomorrow, it'll take months before people are vaccinated, and then we know it actually worked. Um, but yeah, assuming he, you know, he could he could cure COVID. You know, uh, I think that would obviously be uh, helpful. Um, if Biden died or got sick. Well, yeah, if it was Biden died, it was Kamala. That was, when did, when did uh, Hillary's email come out? And then, then if Kamala was a candidate, it's over. The, he, she can't possibly, I don't think she could possibly win. No, no. When, when did the Hillary email thing came last, last time before the election? Or was it like? No, it was out all the time. And then. Uh, no, the FBI guy. Two weeks before the election or so, Comey said they were reopening the case. And then like six days before the election, he said they were closing it again. So. You know, maybe that's why he lost. I don't know why she lost. Mm. Nate Silver, I think, said that he thinks that's the reason she lost. Is that is that is that the is that the guest? And that's my my phone. Four one two. Where's four one two? Anyway, that has the answers to all your queries, including area codes. <laughs> and uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, is that Justin? No, yeah, who, the only guy I know from Pittsburgh is that guy Justin that did the Rick Chrome documentary. Rick Chrome. Dustin, doc- I'm sorry, Dustin. Dustin. D- Dustin. Yeah, Dustin. Uh, he, he's in he's in the West Coast now, though. I have to call him actually. All right. So what else? What else? What else you want to talk about, Hunter? Dan, do you have anything in mind? Uh, well, we could talk about Bill Burr's monologue. Um, he said that he got some controversy. He, he was. He, he was accused of misogyny and homophobia because in the monologue, he said that um, that Pride Month is a whole month, but that's too, and it's a long month that the uh, black people only get uh, the February mm-hmm. and the gay people get a whole, a longer month and they were never enslaved. I mean, he didn't say it like that. That was the, you know, he, he said yeah. it. In a joke no, I saw it. Yeah. And he also said that, uh, I think a lot of people were upset that he said white people, white women were taking over the woke movement and they've been standing by white men uh, all along and benefiting from uh, white men's misdeeds. And so now they're claiming, oh, but we're oppressed. And um, again, that was the, the theme of the joke, not the, um, 
exact formulation. So he's been getting some, uh, you know, criticism for that. Did you see the monologue, Noam? I guess you didn't. No, well, what's it, what, so why are they criticizing him? Well, you tell me. I mean, that, those, those two jokes were perceived, I suppose. Number one, saying gay people don't deserve a whole month. They were never enslaved, you know, yeah. and saying that women, women, white women should shut their mouths because they have been in league with white men all these years. I think that <coughs> I, I had commented on this on our last podcast with Perry, with Periel, with that, where we had it with uh, Clara. Um, and I think it's, it's correct. I think black people rightfully have had enough. They've had it up to here with other groups trying to compare their struggle to the African-American struggle. The African-American struggle is so singular and, and, and hellacious compared to um, other struggles. Now, you know what? I take it back because, I, because you're talking about gays. No, gay, gays, I, shouldn't be, I think the gay struggle is actually, is actually in many ways comparable. It's the only one. But the um, other struggles, while, while very serious, they don't compare to you know, having different schools and riding the back of the bus and being lynched and cross burnings and slaves and, I mean, uh, uh, shot by the, well, I don't say shot, but, you know, uh, arrested by the cops and ethnically profiled. And, I mean, women have had it, um, I don't know, in my lifetime, they, I guess they've had it tough. I mean, for the longest time, women have been more than 50% of the students in in colleges and stuff, I suppose there's been a glass ceiling. You know, that's a, that's a real cause. That's a real thing. But they're not they're not treated like black people, and they don't have the history of it. I mean, the 18- they don't have the right to have their movements, and you know, and Me Too, and 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 whatever else they're doing. They do, of course. They have a, well, Me Too is serious, and of course they have a right to their movement. But I but I think that it, it dilutes when they they try to just put it all as one struggle. And I think that this especially. Um, I mean, I heard a famous black comedian talk about this, especially when like Indian people and people of color, um, I've, I've heard black people bristle at that. It's like, you know, yeah, we're all people of color, but your experiences is not mine. Indian people are um, very successful in America and though their skin is brown, they're probably, you know, have a, a life experience way closer to white people than they do towards Black people, right? Am I getting in trouble for saying that? That's what I would think. I'm sure there's some bigotry towards Indians. There's some bigotry towards Jews, right? But it's not like. Uh, so I think I, is, I, is that what is that what Chris was touching on? I didn't hear him. You mean Bill? Bill? Oh, was Bill? Bill? I thought you said it was Chris. Did I say oh, Chris? Chris was the week before Bill? Oh, oh Bill. Is that what Bill was touching on? Yeah, that was Bill's monologue. That's been getting some. Again, everything controversial. You know, it, 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 you don't know how much if it's just exaggerated because uh social media exaggerates everything but yeah there have been some if you google bill burr and monologue you'll see um i'll do can do it right now but, but just, okay. for, for, for his defense bill Burr's opening monologue draws mixed reactions bill Burr's quote-unquote offensive monologue on snl ignites twitter firestorm but then again what doesn't ignite a twitter firestorm um you know twitter tries to cancel bill burr snl stand-up monologue uh, so you know um which is funny because he talked about cancel culture. Um, okay, but his- I, I do want to say, because here's the thing, and it really is important, people should know. Um, g- gay people really went through a lot. You know, I mean, I can remember 
in New York, friends of mine, people who work with us, being beaten up on the street, gay bashed, um, at a time when uh, black people were not being beaten up on the streets of New York for being black. And because they were gay, this issue was never, it was never treated with the, um, the outrage that we would treat you know, a bunch of white people surrounding and beating up a black guy for being black. And this, this was happening routinely to homosexuals and you can only imagine what would go on. Or, the or they were in the closet and had to suffer terrible psychological consequences. Yeah. But as we know, um, being in the closet um, is not always enough to, to right. conv convince people you're not gay. Yes, that's true. But even yeah. if you're successfully uh, yeah. in the closet, it, yeah. the, the toll, the psychological toll is sometimes uh, is, is life uh, ending because there's suicide. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it might, it might be back in the old days, some kid who didn't have the internet must have felt like he was the only one in the world that had these feelings. It must have been horrifying. No, I was aware. Yeah. So, so, so your so just, position, oh, you're saying, okay, you're good. Yeah, yeah just, just, in go, Idaho, it was gay in the 50s and just probably didn't even know there was other people that were like that. It was like, oh my God, uh, the panic must have been, you know, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just just for back to Bill Burr um, monologue, just to be fair, I, you know, I've, I, I've seen him work this uh, this uh, um, monologue somewhere. I don't know if I'm allowed to say where, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, no, is he allowed to say where? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought so. Um, there is more to the joke than what you've seen, but I think he kind of cut it off because of time-wise, you know? But uh, the joke, like, uh, in the full length is makes a lot of sense, uh, and it will be more, less... Um, less controversial, I guess, than, than uh, the short version of it, you know? Um, but he taught, he, but I think, I guess his whole point was he was talking about that and then he talked about cancer culture. So his point was nobody can say that anymore because they get canceled, you know? Uh, so I think it's brilliant in a way, you know? Um, so yeah. Nobody can say anything anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. Except here in this show, we say whatever we want. You know, I was actually, I was actually literally thinking about, you know, I've been very, this is going to sound like it's not true, but it's really true. I've been really um, upset about the, the um, progress that some policies have been making uh, that are supposedly to help black kids that I really think are gonna hurt them, um, especially the movement to get rid of standardized tests, to get rid of objective standards, to um, get rid of charter schools, all that stuff. You know, just in a nutshell, the, the 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 way to help, you know, you don't have enough black kids getting into the um, the best high schools, the gifted high schools in New York City. And what seems to me the pressure now is to do is like, okay, we don't have enough black kids in the gifted high schools. Let's just get rid of gifted high schools. We will no longer have gifted high schools, and that way we won't have that problem anymore. As if somehow that is going to help black kids. And and I. So I was actually thinking about, you know, running for mayor um, because uh -huh. I, because I want to help, you know, and anyway, I, but I realized very in short order that the stuff I've said on these podcasts just makes that 
impossible. You know, I don't spend my time in the aggravation trying to, to justify the, you know, the outrageous things that I said. Buttigieg, you said Pete Buttigieg, you support him for the top or the bottom of the ticket. Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of thing. I like, <laughs> but the truth is, I, I really feel like if I, I mean, were a Republican, I've said this already, I would, if I would run and I would, I would say to the black community, even I was running as an independent or whatever I was running as Democrat or Republican, I would say, look, they think you can't do it. Listen to everything they say. They want to get rid of the test. They want to change the standards. They want to, they want to redefine uh, individuality and hard work as white traits. Like that all they're telling you is they think you can't do it. And don't vote for the people who think you can't do it. You, you have a right to demand from your leaders help. You need a Manhattan Project to help kids do better on these tests. You don't give up the tests. You don't say, oh, you know, well, we're never going to be good at math. We're never going to be good at grammar like the white kids. So let's no longer test it. Let's no longer ask. Let's no longer expect it of our kids. It's so offensive to me. It's, you know, I don't know. What are they? It's offensive I mean, to you, and yet the black community still votes Democratic uh, in large numbers. Yeah, but I, I don't. That's because I think they, they, they correctly perceive that the, the conservatives don't give a shit about them. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll mouth whatever it is. But you know, it's not. I not say all conservatives, but, but listen, behind when I, when I, when I gather with conservative people. I seldomly hear. I seldom hear somebody really bringing up his, you know, um, concerns, his deep concerns for what's going on to black people. It's not that they say anything bad about black people. It's just, that's just not their issue. They want to talk about taxes or whatever. Who else, you know, whatever. So I think I think black people correctly perceive that that they're not the priority of a large part of conservatism. In the same way that Trump Trump voters perceived that Hillary didn't give a shit about them. Um, but having said that, I think you should definitely run and I'll, having said that, I I think they would respond if if I said, if I, and I have tested this out on some black friends, like what, and they're like, yeah, you have a point. Like, no, nobody's offended by that. Like, yeah, they, they they act like you can't do it. That's the the only reason you get rid of the test is because you think the person can't do well on it. So don't get rid of the test. You have responsibility to us. And they might health. counter. They might counter. Okay, but we have to change the test so that they're not culturally biased. Well, then, they, yeah, but I don't think anybody really believes that. No, would you really do it? No, I won't do it because Why? I because I, I don't want to answer questions from my past. Well, first of all, uh, you know, first of all, as worse as you're, no, you're a known uh, a philander because yeah. you uh, on nine eleven you were in Washington. I don't think anybody cares about that. Yeah, but 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 also two things. One, you're not gonna be worse than Trump. He's passes hard. No, it's New York City. It's New York City. Well, you could do like Robin Williams when he says, "I didn't sleep with that woman. I wanted to." Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not worried. They, nobody cares about my sex life. Cares about that. No, I'm kidding. I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, no, but I mean, I've I've said you know, I've made jokes like dancers. I made a gay joke. I made a black joke. I I I I think years ago I stopped doing it. I would repeat the N word if if the N word was in the, you know, quoted on every. I never used the N-word, but like, you know, in the same way that you're saying. But huh? isn't that New York, though? You use the N-word in, as a quote, not in anger. Yeah, I would never. No, I never. I never used it. Look, in, every in, comedian, by the way, uses the N-word in a quotative sense because comedians are observers of culture and you can't observe African-American culture without use of the N-word. And comedians are natural imitators and observers. Yeah. 
and 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 um, what are we going to ignore the fact that black people use that word every other word? You know, in certain in certain milieus, um, you know. So well, I just I just used it to talk about it. Like you know, if we're talking about Huckleberry, I mean, I just. I'm, I'm of the age. Listen, there was a time you probably remember too. There was a time when nobody said the N word. I never heard the, the, the phrase, the N word until like, I don't know, after my early 2000s. I mean, the phrase, the and the three yeah. words, the N word. Yeah. Normally in those, it, prior to the phrase, the N word, you, if somebody, if somebody called somebody the N word, you would say so-and-so called somebody and you'd say it. If, if you Google, I've done this. If you do like a site search of Rolling Stone magazine, for the word, the N-word spelled out, there's hundreds of things because they've printed that word many, many times over the years. Howard Stern said it in an interview. Uh, John George Lennon Carlin. used it in a song. George Carlin. George Carlin used it uh, really uh, acerbically. So, no, I mean, I understand times have changed and I don't use it anymore because I'm not trying to rewrite the rules, but I know they will dredge up. And I'm not even sure I did, but I'm pretty sure I did on some podcast one time in the conversation, say the word out loud. And then, you know, I, I said, who, who needs this shit? This is why we, this is why we have the leaders we have because a normal person who's not a total narcissist megalomaniac is not gonna want, says to himself, I don't need this shit. I feel, yeah, I would like to do good. I would, I would like to, I would like to be a public servant. I would like to help. I'd like to bring my expertise and my life experience. You know, I have a, a very you know interesting biography and diverse, and I and I have a lot of close and deep relationships with people of all different types, and you know I, I think I could be really that that's the kind of mayor you would need, you know. And I understand small business and all that, but I don't want to be fucking defending myself for jokes I made 15 years ago. I feel I think you should do it, and um, to help you out, I'm gonna run against you, so people was like, oh, <laughs> we don't want that to win. <laughs> Well, it's disappointing, Noam, that you won't do it. I'd love to see you try to do it. Just be great. First of all, it'd be just great theater for me to watch that. And uh -huh. second of all, we would have exclusive access to a mayoral candidate right here on uh, Live from America, as well as on- Let's, uh, let's do it, Noam. Let's do it for real. Could you imagine that he started asking me questions and all of a sudden I'm like, uh, 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 change the topic. Like, <laughs> I become like every, every other politician. You're right. You couldn't be you. The, you, you couldn't be the you that you want to be, which is somebody that does like to joke around, somebody that does- you know, actually, I think that's what exactly going to make you win. Is well, it's certainly what made Trump win. It's yeah, certainly, you know, we, we all like that about Trump. I mean, you might look, you've never, you've never said anything horrible. You've made jokes. And if you can defend it and say, oh, look, it was a joke. Uh, but there, you would get a lot of shit, obviously. I never said anything horrible. I've never said anything. I've never said anything I'm ashamed of, but they will take it out of context. They will do it. They, you know, so, they, so here's what we do, Norm. You have a pool. Yeah. In and Facebook, I want to run for mayor. How many people support? Yeah. You know, and well, not, not famous enough that he's going to get a big number of people supporting him. First uh, of all, how many how many people voted for whoever the mayor that won? De Blasio? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about mayor. What about borough president? Uh, no. uh, Just I'll keep saying he's going to run for borough president. I either want to be mayor or, or president. No mayor. No, but if, yeah, the thing about mayor is like, you know, I don't even know if they do anything. I mean, maybe they do. I guarantee you, if I if I won the election, I'd wake up, you know, six months later and say, "What the fuck was I thinking?" When there's a snowstorm, <laughs> and then I'm picking up the snow, and people are blaming me, you know, like how come how come there's a garbage can on my you know corner? Tell them if you what? win the election, you could have the fat black, the the village underground, and comedy seller at Gracie. <laughs> I I really wish there was some way to help make a dent in, in what's going wrong with edu education. Gracie Mansion. 
uh, you know, uh, letting people in on standby. That'd be fantastic. De Blasio won with 7,900, 7,900, 7,900, 7,900, 7,900, 7,900, 7,900, 7,900, you have at least 500,000 comedians or wannabe comedians that they have to vote. <laughs> well, you have a, the Comedy Cellar mailing list, but most of those people don't live in New York is the thing. Yeah, but all the comedians that want to be, you know, comedians. Yeah, there's, not, there's not enough to, to, to vote no. Uh, there's not, there's a lot of comedians. There's not that many. I have to go. I have a hard out, as I mentioned, uh, for a lunch date with Aruba Ray. Are you guys going to stick around? And Yeah, I think we'll oh, end I wonder later. why our guest didn't show up. Yeah, I'll find out. Even Who was he? he? Who was the guest? Uh, Zaid Zaid Jahrani, and he confirmed twice. It must Iranian? be something, you know. That sounds Iranian to me. Did yeah. he find out that there was a Jew on the on the podcast? No, no, he knew. <laughs> He's actually very hot uh, jo journalist right now. Very good, and he confirmed twice. You know. Well, you get it all the time. I have to go. Um, so leaving or am I? Uh, we're leaving together. Yeah, no, we're leaving together. So, Dan, you want to share any uh, information? Oh, at Dan Natterman. At Dan Natterman. On at all Dan Natterman. People. Uh, on, Do you on, still tweet, Dan? Uh, not as much as I. When, when I first started tweeting, I was tweeting a lot because I figured, oh, maybe I'll be like, uh, what's that guy's name? Rob Delaney. Rob Delaney, but but that never happened, so I kind of don't tweet very much anymore. But it's at Dan Natterman. But when I do tweet, it's definitely something worth, uh, no, it's not. For but sure. it's at Dan Natterman. And the olive tree is open for dinner. Dinner, dinner, dinner only with appropriate temperature testing, contact tracing, right? You, give, you take their number and their uh, address or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. You do everything, everything by the book. Yes, and, um, uh, I wish this were all capacity. Um, and I was there last night. And it's a lot of fun because most of the Jews are scared at home, so it's Jew-free zone. So you can enjoy. Is it, it. A kind of galling that SNL can do a live thing as long as they pay the people? Like, what difference does it make if if you pay people in the audience? If they get COVID, they're still going to pass it to, to innocent people. Fair like, point. Your point. So, uh, but we don't have time to get into that because I have a lunch day with Aruba Ray. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Bye, Danny. Thank you.